And if you would, once again, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We are in a... uh, Yeah, during the meeting. Thank you. And um, we are currently in a series entitled Moving Forward. It's number one, the beginning of the year. And so we want to talk about, you know, everybody's talking about moving forward or having um, uh, New Year's resolutions and and making plans to, you know, lose weight or exercise more or eat better or, or whatnot, all those different things. Uh, but we are in the thick of it, and I think we could all say amen to that. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the things that we're going through are rather deep and wide, and what I mean by that, they're, they're wide as far as what we are experiencing is a global phenomenon, as far as all the issues, and it's not just one issue of COVID, but we have the social strife issue, we have the COVID issue, of course. Uh, we have uh, um, political issues, we have economic issues, and, and uh, um, things are a little more expensive. Things have been worse, uh, but all these things together have put a lot of pressure on a lot of people, and they're not just things that we are experiencing here in this country, it's global. So we have a wide time of difficulty that we're working through or or season of of trial, but it's also deep and that every aspect of society has been touched by it. Normally we like to protect our kids from the stuff that's going on. You know, as adults, we're, we're better able to handle it and we want to shield them, but there's been no shielding them from what's going on. They see what's going on, they're experiencing in their schools, their lives, I I think generally speaking, kids do a lot better when there's structure in their lives and, and they're used to a routine and that's all been thrown out the window. And every institution in society has been shaken. The government has been shaken, the business has been shaken, the church has been shaken. And there seemingly is no end in sight. I know and I'm thankful that things are getting better here in Connecticut. I noticed that the COVID infection rates are going down and hospitalizations are going down. And that's all wonderful. But there doesn't seem to be any easing of the panic, dare I say, hysteria that is surrounding this phenomenon. And one of the things that I'm also dreading this year is not only the fact that, you know, we're still going on with COVID and all the things associated with it, we're now going into an election year. How many are looking forward to being pummeled with election ads? I, I certainly do not. <laughs> Milters, like, Milty are one among many. <laughs> And so all, we're, all we've been hearing is about politics for years now, and it's only going to get worse this, this coming year, and the, and the strife and the division that's going on in, in Washington. I must say, shame on our political leaders. They are providing a very, very poor example to 
our citizens and our children. Uh, so, but every institution is, has been going through it, including the church. And we talked about two weeks ago how sometimes God shakes things. Now we need a shaking. How many of you have ever had someone, maybe they were in kind of a, uh, a fit, fit of mild hysteria, and you, and you didn't, or maybe you did, you just wanted to grab them and shake them and say, snap out of it. <laughs> I could tell by your responses, uh, if you haven't done that, you've been at least tempted to do that more often than once. Sometimes God sends a shaking to the world. And he's done it time and time again when, when there are issues in the world, whether it's an issue in governments or whether it's an issue in the economy or whether it's issues within the church where God needs to shake in order to tear down those things which are imperfect, not to destroy, but that he might build up again. And we looked at several scriptures that point that out very, very, clear, very, very clearly that our, that our God is, is a shaking God who shakes so that those things which are flawed may come down, but those that are strong not only that they would remain, but that God could build upon. And may I say that will always be the case for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the church, because it has a lot of human element, does fall into error and imperfection at time. But it is built upon the rock, Jesus. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. May I say, I think the church generally has come through very well. Although we still have a long way to go as far as our church and getting back to where we need to be and moving forward. So we took time to talk about that. We took time to talk about generally the three things that shake us and uh, the purpose that we've, in, in talking about them, is that we don't want to be a people who, despite what's going on, in, instead of moving forward in Jesus, and what I mean by that is this, growing in Christ and becoming more like Christ than we are and knowing Christ in a greater way. May I say this one thing as far as growing deeper in Jesus. It's not a matter of just our behaviors, although that's very important to God. But what's more important to God is your heart. God said to Samuel, an Old Testament prophet and judge, man looks on the outward, but God looks upon the heart. What, what God desires in each and every one of us is a heart that's passionate to know God, that we might know him in a greater way and experience his love and power and might in our lives Amen. deeper and deeper as we live this life. And, and of course, to become more like him and, and to live more like him. God has also called us to continue this great work of preaching the gospel. 
It falls to us. And preaching the gospel is, is a, a several-fold ministry. It's, it's sharing our faith with those who don't know Christ. Being a witness to them in our speech, but also our actions. But it's also encouraging one another as we live for Christ. How many, and you don't need to raise, please don't raise your hands this morning. But how how many of you have ever gone through a rough patch in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? I think we all have. God, are you really there? God, is your word true? God, am I going to get through this? And God, yes, has given us his word, and we need to avail ourselves to that and stay in the word. And God has given us the agency of prayer where we might communicate with God, but we also need one another to encourage one another. We are a Holy Spirit church, or at least I hope we are a Holy Spirit church. And one of the dynamics of a church that is filled and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit is the willingness and the ability to minister to one to another. This happens through a variety of means. Number one, I think through uh, intercession where we pray for one another. And as a Pentecostal church, we pray both in the spirit and with our understanding. Powerful prayers. Prayers of righteous people were righteous because of what Jesus has done in our lives, not because we're righteous. My righteousness is nothing compared to Jesus. But because Christ has become part of my life, I am righteous. And so when I pray, my prayers are powerful and effective. But there are also wonderful gifts of the Spirit that God bestows upon individuals Not to pump ourselves up and think of ourselves as as great and spiritual individuals that people can aspire to so that we can minister God's grace to other people. Words of encouragement, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of healings and miracles and faith. All of these things God has has provided, and it's your and my responsibility to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit with one another, to keep us following Jesus. Because one of the greatest griefs and sorrows of my life is the number of people who have once come to this church, been part of this church, and are no longer part of this church. And I don't mind, we miss them, of course. I don't mind if someone leaves this church and goes to another church and continues to serve Jesus. God bless them. But there are a lot of people who used to come here that don't go to church anymore, but more importantly, don't have faith in Jesus anymore. And they're just as lost now as they were before they accepted Christ as their Savior. We need one another to keep our faith to the end. Because it's not just enough to say a little prayer. And, and you know, I said a little prayer, so I'm going to heaven. Jesus says, he who endures to the end, the same 
shall be saved. Scripture also says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So we got to continue to serve God. And what God is calling us to do, despite everything that is still going on. And I hope I'm wrong, but there's no end in sight to the pressures that we are experiencing. The call of God upon our lives to know him and to make him known or to serve him has not ceased. And I believe our season of kind of licking our wounds and getting back on our feet feet is over. We now need to move forward in Christ and become more serious and passionate about knowing Him and making Him known. If we're going to do that, we need to have a willingness and make a determination that we are going to be people who move forward and not just take upon us a Christian ostrich syndrome where we're just going to hide our heads in the sand and wait till it's all over and then perhaps then we can move forward in Jesus. We began uh, last week, well, let's let's read our text and then we'll get into um, what we're talking about today. Uh, From Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Now this is a letter or a message that the Apostle Paul wrote a a group of Christians while he was in prison. Now, Paul was in prison two times. The last time he was in prison, very harsh, very difficult conditions, and he was under a death sentence. In fact, the last written words in the Bible that we have from the Apostle Paul, he expected his execution to be at any time. This imprisonment was his first imprisonment where his freedoms were restricted and uh, where he, he couldn't go and come and go as he pleased. But he was basically under house arrest. Things, things were okay. People could come and visit him where it was much more difficult, his second imprisonment. Regardless, his freedoms were taken from him and he was not able to minister as freely as he did prior to this this time in his life. And he's writing a church. And the letters of this church, the letter that he wrote to this church aren't words of, woe is me, it's really tough, pray that God gets me out of here, you guys have it easy, I don't. Uh, Kind of like things that we might say when we're going through a difficult time. They were words of, you can make it. I've gone through a tough time. I'm going through a tough time. But I'm going to continue to move forward in Christ. I press on. We're going to read this scripture in just a moment. I press on for the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. And you can too, no matter what. I think it's a message that you and I need to embrace today in 2022. Philippians 3, beginning with verse 12. Not that I have already attained it. Or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I, which also I was laid hold of by Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies behead, lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have obtained. Let's bow our hearts this morning, and let's ask God's blessing to be with us as we look to God's word. Father, we thank you so much in the name of Jesus for your goodness, your grace, the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your holy word. As we look to your word this morning, we pray once again for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to descend upon this place. Uh, may you please give words to this, your speaker today, and give us all ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 There were three things that Paul had to deal with in his life that generally all believers have to deal with and that we are ta- we we're in the middle of talking of. The first being persecution, which we talked about last week. And if, and just to recap this in, in, in a nutshell, if you make a decision to serve God out loud, you know, not not serve God, you know, privately in a little in a little room in your house. You ever go in a house and someone has a shrine to their little? You you, you never know that they were part of a particular religious affiliation, but they've got a little shrine to maybe a Buddha or some type of Hindu god or something. Uh, some Christians live that way. And, uh, you know, the devil's okay if that's the way you want to live as, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's not totally okay, but I don't want to get too much into the illustration. Um, but, you know, s- s- some believers just have a little corner of their life that they live for Jesus. But that's not how God has called us to live. God has called us to live out loud Amen. for Jesus. Amen. That people would, would know beyond a shadow of doubt. They could just see Jesus in us and hear Jesus when we speak. If that's the way you choose to live, and that's the way God has called us to live, the Bible says, surely you're going to suffer persecution. It takes a lot to, to live for Jesus. It takes a lot of guts, if I could use that term. Because people will reject you, people will make fun of you, people will slander you. And there could be a time, and most likely will be a time, that you will suffer in other ways, economically, um, if not worse, if you make a stand to live for Jesus, the way God has called you to live, uncompromisingly. And so, we, and so that's something that we've got to move beyond. We can't let the threat of persecution keep us from serving Jesus. In fact, if the world and the enemy pours on persecution, you and I need to pour it on even greater. And to summarize last week, when persecution gets bad, guess what? God gets more powerful in your life and in the church. And I dare say if we go through a a season of severe persecution, we will see the power of God like we haven't seen in this country in a long, long time. I'm not inviting persecution to come. I would rather it not come. But if it does come, I'm, I'm confident that God is going to get us through. But the other two 
One is, which we'll talk about next week, is our own weakness or frailties. We need to move beyond those things because none of us are perfect. Paul wasn't, as he stated in the scripture that we read. This morning, and this relates to the season that we're going through now, I'd like to talk about suffering. Because suffering is something, and seasons of suffering is something that every human being will go through for the entirety of their lives. There is no one in this room who has escaped suffering. In fact, not only have people in this room suffered, I would dare say that, and some of you more than others, and the only reason why I say more than others, you just live longer than other people. Some of you have seen many seasons of suffering. Your life hasn't been an entirety of suffering, but you've gone through many periods of pain, anguish, and grief. I've, I've seen and I've observed this about suffering. It's no respecter of persons. Now, obviously, we see, you know, someone who's poor and destitute, they suffer. Someone who has chronic illness, they suffer. But the rich also suffer. In fact, uh, and, uh, you know, there's always celebrity deaths, and, and some are just, you know, people are old or they have cancer or other health issues, which is a form of suffering in itself. But some, despite the fact that they have had everything this world has to offer, money and fame and, and women and, and so on and so forth, are miserable, so miserable to the point where they have to drown their life in drugs and alcohol and it's just ravaged their bodies. So at a, at a very, very young age, their bodies just can't take all the chemical abuse that they've endured and they died. And, or in some other instances, celebrities who have seemingly everything you could possibly want find that in this life there is no true happiness and end up taking their own life. How sad, how tragic. But it just goes to show us, show us that suffering hits every individual in every uh, part of society, rich, poor, wise, simple, young and old, May I say, and I, it grieves me what children in this country are going through right now with the chaos that's in their lives and the stress that they're feeling. But our country's had it very, very good for the most part for our children for many years. And there are many children all over the world who suffer on a daily basis to the point they don't even know if they're going to have a meal never mind three square meals, a meal on any given particular day. Suffering affects everyone, and suffering, despite what your theology and, and who you might le read or listen to, suffering according to the Word of God and by the example of both the apostles and by saints today is no stranger to the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But having said that, suffering is no excuse for us. Just say, I'm just going to wait 
I'm going to pull the sheets over my head and just wait for the season of suffering to blow over before I begin to move forward in Jesus. Paul says this in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11, Whatsoever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ." And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, from the dead. Two things in this, three things in this scripture. The desire of Paul, above all things, and this is the key to moving forward, was to know Jesus in a greater way. This was part of the twilight years of the Apostle Paul. He still had had a number of years left, but this was towards the end. It was after his last missionary journey. Uh, he, uh, uh, he was imprisoned, older. And he writes, I still have not attained, but I'm still pressing forward. Why? So that I might know Christ in a greater way. That Christ may be in me more powerfully and more real to me than he's ever been before. That was the striving of the Apostle Paul. And to get there, he he knew he needed to experience two things. Number two, in reverse order, I'm sharing this morning, the power of his resurrection, which is twofold. Number one, the power of the resurrection to you and me is the hope, and when I say hope, is the assurance that when this life is over, we're going to be in the presence of God. This isn't the end. God help us if, if this was there all was to life and at the end of life we just died. You might be sitting here young and feeling good and say, well, what's wrong with that? You know, I, you know, I live a life and I just want to go. Let me tell you, the older you get, the more painful you get. <laughs> Take it from all the gray hairs who are here. I've got some, a little bit. Not as much as Jim back there. But <laughs> working on catching, catching up. There's, so the power of the resurrection, someday I'm going to meet Christ. And I'm going to have a new body. And all this stuff, all the gunk that's in the world, and a lot of gunk in the world, it's all going to be washed away. It's going to be, in fact, the whole world's going to be washed away. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's power in that. Knowing there's a new world, a better world that's coming in Christ. Unsurpassed by any experience we can or ever will have. But secondly, as far as the power of the resurrection is the power of the Holy Spirit. 
the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave dwell in you. He who raised Christ from the, dwell, from the grave shall also dwell in your mortal body. Paul, in order to move forward, knew he needed the anointing or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in his life. And isn't it comforting to know, brothers and sisters in Christ, that in order to break free from the shackles of all the pressure and all the stuff that's going on, we don't have to do it in our own strength. We don't have to psych ourselves up or get some kind of help self-help, motivational tape and try to brainwash our mind and I will move forward and I'll be happy. The Holy Spirit will just cause us to break through in the name of Jesus. That yoke which is upon us that wants to keep us bound. But in addition to the power of the resurrection in, in his life, Paul understood To know Christ was to have fellowship or to share in his sufferings. This is something that we kind of glance over as we read these scriptures. We think of Christ, and we should, as one who is our deliverer. He's delivered us from sin, but also from sickness, disease, Shame, fear, doubt, all these things we have victory through Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Praise God. But Christ suffered. In order for you to to experience the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we too must suffer. And will suffer. Not only by enduring persecution. But by standing strong in faith. When seasons of trial and difficulty come. Because they surely will come. There is. um, Let me just share a couple scriptures. And then we'll move on. We should expect suffering, number one, because Jesus suffered. Isaiah 53, verse 3, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And, one, and like one from whom men hid, hid their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. And we think of the suffering of Christ, we think of the passion of Christ when he was um, betrayed, arrested, beaten, uh, whipped, Uh, And, of course, uh, nailed to the cross and crucified. And that was intense suffering. But that wasn't the beginning of the suffering of Christ. Christ suffered as he lived this life. People were after him the whole time that he ministered. And they weren't just after him to make fun of him or to stir up trouble. They wanted to kill him. There was one time they were ready to stone him and, and, and Jesus, because he's God, he just kind of walked right through and hid himself from them right in plain sight. People deserted him, mocked him, ridiculed him. 
His own friends, not just Judas, but even Peter, although Peter repented, betrayed him. But the greatest suffering that Jesus experienced, I believe, in his earthly ministry was seeing the suffering of everyone who was around him. All the people who were oppressed by sin or by demon spirits or by sickness or by the religious and political systems that were around them. It moved and it grieved Jesus. Think of those, the shortest verse in the Bible when Jesus saw the friends of Lazarus who had recently died weeping and crying. The Bible says Jesus wept. He cried right along with them. Jesus was a man of sorrows and suffering. And the Apostle Paul and the Apostles also lived out a life of victory, but also suffering as they lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking of the Apostles, Acts 14, the Bible says, they strengthened the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying through many tribulations or sufferings, we must enter the kingdom of God. It doesn't save you. But part of faith is believing God and trusting God and serving God when things are bad. When you're experiencing pain, when you're experiencing sorrow, when you're experiencing loss, I trust Jesus, I will praise Jesus. I will pray to Jesus. I will serve Jesus. I will know Jesus. Despite my suffering. Paul, I mentioned, was in prison, but listen to all the other stuff he went through. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 28. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In fact, more labors in in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such eternal, external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me, my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Paul not only suffered at, at the uh, end of his life through his imprisonment and eventual execution. Paul went through seasons of great power, great victory, but also great sufferings. But he persevered nonetheless, as did all the other Disciples. But that's not, generally speaking, the American gospel, where we feel the gospel that 
Jesus, or the good news that Jesus has, has given us, is that not only we can be saved, but that our lives should be a life of convenience. Now, I know we've had to kind of um, do social, for lack of a better term, social gymnastics, or gymnastics as far as living our lives now. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Show a card, don't show a card. One thing I have noticed is that Americans in general, we get, we've had it so good for so long, and I'm not beating up on America, I love America. We've had it so good for so long that if we get to the store and we don't find our favorite flavor of ice cream because it's all sold out and all that's left is vanilla, we have a hissy fit. <laughs> and I'm not saying there's not real problems. There certainly is. But some people, if the least little thing happens, if they have a flat tire, let me tell you, there's no guarantee in the Bible that you'll never have a flat tire. They will wear out and you'll have to buy a new one. Sorry to break it to you. And I don't care how many times you say, not today, Satan, that tire will stay flat. <laughs> and it's not the enemy getting after you and you're not suffering, it's just life. If we get so inconvenienced, upset, and if it gets in, in some people because, because they live such a close line to doubt and their faith is so shallow... God help us. That when the littlest thing doesn't go their way, all of a sudden they're ready to throw God and their faith out the window. Say, I give up. I don't want to do it anymore. Real life is real suffering. If we can't tr trust God in our suffering, not only, you know, how are we going to move forward and, and, and be the church that God is calling us to be, how are we even going to make it? Believers, and I'll be closing shortly, we need to, if we're going to be peop a people who move forward and who know Christ in a greater way and who serve Christ more powerfully and more effectively, we need, to have, we need to be people who have a right, a godly attitude, a Christ attitude as it relates to suffering. Job demonstrated this, and Job was no stranger to suffering. He lost everything. He lost his possessions. He lost his family. He lost his health. And on the day after he... On the day he lost those things, his wife came to him and reading Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And she said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Why don't you just give up? The suffering you're going through, just, just give up. But his response is one that we should strive for in living this life, which has seasons. Seasons have a beginning, but they also come to an end. Seasons of suffering. He said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. 
Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. What Job has demonstrated here, as far as a godly attitude, um, I refer to as hopeful resignation. What I mean by that is this, when a, period, when a season of suffering or, or trial or difficulty comes your way, you realize it's not the enemy, but it's a season of testing or shaking, which we all go through. You go through this season, you understand that it, it's, it's uh, um, ha- having this hopeful resignation. Understand that it's an opportunity for examination. Because when God shakes us and when God tests us, it's not so that God can see you know, where we are. Let's, let's, let's see. If, if Brother John or Sister Sue, Sue let's, let's see how strong they are. I'm going to shake them. It's for us to see how strong we actually are. Whether we are whom we profess to be, you know, kind of like, you know, P- Peter and the disciples were like this, God will follow you to your death. They, they, they were going to stay with Jesus, but when it came, after Jesus was arrested, when it came down to it, they all fled, except for John. Oh, we'll, we'll never depart you. We'll never leave you. When that kind of time of shaking, their weakness was exposed, not to destroy them, but to bring them to a better place of faith where they realized they needed the Holy Spirit in their lives. And, and may I say they came through that test beautifully because all of them, except, interestingly enough, John, were martyrs for the cause of Christ. So it's a time of examination, of growth, not only of our weaknesses, but also our strengths. Let me tell you, when you go through a time of difficulty and you're faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and you're, you continue to trust in him and grow in him and serve him to the best of your ability, there's no better feeling when you get to the other side of that. I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You, after those seasons, you look at the devil and say, Devil, give it to me. I'm ready. (laughs) But there's also a spirit of of resignation. And what I mean by that is, okay, I'm just going to have to go through this. A hopeful resignation with an understanding that God will get you through and that you will grow through this. And more importantly, God will receive the glory through the suffering that you're going through. Let me end by sharing this scripture. I had another point, but I touched on it earlier. From James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking 
in nothing. We're going through a, a season of, of trial, difficulty, suffering right now. And we all know the things that are going on. But in addition to that, every one of us also has a million other things that we're going through. Losses, pain, sorrow, sicknesses, broken friendships, emptiness. And the volume of that can be bone-crushing, bone spirit-crushing. Spirit Let's not let suffering hinder us from pressing on for the high, for the prize, for the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered. Jesus endured the suffering. And because he did, you can too. Not solely by looking at his example, although we should look at his example. Amen? You know, Jesus did it. Paul did it. Disciples did it. But by seeking the power that was within him, I'm not saying Jesus couldn't do it himself. He certainly could. He is the son of God. But he was also the anointed of God. That's what Christ means, the Christos, the anointed. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And as you embark, as we continue to go through this season of suffering, and as you embark in the different sufferings in your life, Commit to moving forward in Jesus. And the first step is not only by our profession, God, I will serve you with all of my heart, no matter what. But I need and will rely wholly on your Holy Spirit to do so. Empower me by your Spirit to live victoriously in Jesus' name. Let's stand this morning. Folks on Facebook, thank you so much. We'll conclude our online portion of the service today. But let's stand.